I don't think I'm ever gonna feel rested again. After you say Kikuchi revealed yesterday that he sleeps 14 hours a night. <laughs> I'm all stoked on the Jays win. I'm feeling good about Bo heating up. Feeling good about the Jays offense at that bandbox joke ballpark, which is even worse for the Yankees offense this year. The fact that those guys can't score any runs there. Whew, terrible. So yeah, Jays are back. Jays are fully back in it. The roller coaster ride continues. You thought just score more than one run, have one other inning where you score more, and they did it. They scored a bunch of runs. But yeah, you say Kikuchi yesterday, a guy whose stock I invested in before the season has made me rich. My other guy who I invested stock in, by the way, Trevor Richards, who the stock was starting to plummet a little bit. He had a good outing last night. Big ballsy move by John Schneider putting him in there in that moment when the game had not swollen up to a huge lead yet and T rich came through, maybe, maybe, maybe he's just trying to find his guy again. I'm not going to say it's worked just yet, but that was probably a decent spot to end up doing it in hindsight. Even though in the moment I was sweating and going, I cannot believe that you're doing this to me again, John. I cannot believe John that this is the way that it has to be. When I watch these blue Jays games, I was just trying to have a stress free evening, John, Try to figure out no football, and this is what you delivered me, T-Rich, but T-Rich was money. But yeah, for those of you that know, Yusei Kikuchi left the game yesterday with left shoulder cramps, which I was not aware was a thing. But I guess when you're a pro pitcher, your body's a little bit more fine-tuned than me going, I wonder why this one part of my body just will not recover. Eh, leave it. Just get older. Die. That's it's the only solution. Maybe, maybe someday I'll pay for a massage. He says that he only got 11 hours of sleep last night. That was his big excuse. That was his big reveal as to why he thinks he got hurt. 11 hours. 11. He normally sleeps 13 or 14. Goes to bed at 10. Wakes up at 1. this this man this is incredible he's sleeping more than half of his life away routinely he wants to sleep more than half of his life away could you imagine living with Yusei Kikuchi could you imagine just always forgetting that he's in the house because you never see him he's just either asleep or he's at the ballpark this is a dream most people dream of having one time in their whole life I'm I'm a single guy. I don't have children. Sometimes when my friends who do have children go out drinking with me, they indulge a little bit too much. I, I have thoughts of how, how are they going to deal with this tomorrow? And they go, you just have to deal with it. And you say, all right, fine. This is one explanation. It's one, that's one way of dealing with this is that you just, you just get through it. You just power through it. But I have had days, and I'm sure you've all had those days where, yeah, you just, it's either a sickness, it's a hangover, it's whatever. It's just you didn't get any sleep. You had some insomnia, a little I bout of it. Figured out how to get hurt to mess with. I don't know what that is. Um, I know how the feet are here. Some of the new play calling. Would... And there it goes. Good job by the crack squad. Again, I have five young guys who work on this show. Five. There's a, there's a million of them. They all run around. 
and not one of them does the thing that actually helps me. Like not one, they all just do with like little parts of nothing, just drain me throughout a day. I got to keep my distance and then they just, they press buttons. They're back there. They're literally children. They're just back there pressing buttons. And I know that they're stressing it right now. They're just looking around. All the minions, little minions looking around, looking, which one of us pressed the button? Who pressed the button? Joe. Yeah. (laughs) I know it was you. Anyway, imagine 11 hours sleep. Try it if you can. I think I'm going to just try this. Is this good? Is this, was this recommended to him? 14 hours of sleep. 14. Anyway, this is, this is, this is now the most fascinating story of the entire Blue Jays season. It's not Vladdy struggling to hit heaters. It's not what they're going to do in free agency this year. It's not the playoff race. It's not the bounce back of Kikuchi or Barrios. It's purely this. It is purely, you say Kikuchi sleeps for 14 hours a night. He is pure, a pure vampire. He just, he's not allowed to see the sun. I wonder what people would pay for this, like, package. If people just said, hey, we've got the Yusei Kikuchi package at our, at our day spa. You can sleep for 14 hours. Enjoy. Anyways, our next guest has children. I've at least had those days where I've slept and woke up and had a little bit of a sleep in. And again, that, that is reason enough for me sometimes to say, I don't, I don't need kids. I don't think I'll ever have kids. I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose these days. Those days where I wake up on a weekend, I get up, it's quiet, I have a coffee, I read. And then some days I decide, you know what? I feel like a little nap. I think I'm just going to watch a show, go on my huge couch or back into my bed even, and just nestle up, go back to sleep. But you say Kikuchi apparently sleeping, yeah, 13 to 14 hours. James Myrtle, senior managing editor at The Athletic. Good morning, buddy. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not getting that, uh, yeah. that kind of time on, on, the, on the pillow. <laughs> Definitely not. So I, I, did you see what your, yeah, your, I guess, employee, Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic reported yesterday with Yusei Kikuchi? Yeah, I did see it. Yeah. What did you, what was your first thought with that? Um, could you even sleep for 14 hours in a row? Like, do you think like what, no. what kind of, yeah, you'd have to take some kind of heavy dosage of Maybe. something. I'm into the old man phase already. <laughs> you know, my, like my son's almost nine years old. Like I've been, I've been in the old man world for a long time here. So I've been, I've been battling lack of sleep for a while. And oh. I, it, it's like, once you lose it, I don't think it comes back. <laughs> I don't think that. I think you could try. I think you could try. I think that you should try an honest effort one day this year, you and your, your wife, you should have essentially a deal where one of you gets the Yusei Kikuchi day. You know, where you go, hey, you get to have 13 hours uninterrupted. I will go away 14 hours uninterrupted. You go to bed early. I'll be with the boys. And in the morning, I, I won't even sleep in the bed, actually. You just keep the whole bed to yourself because you, there's no way that anybody sleeps with a guy who wants 14 hours of sleep. I'm sorry. Like, no one's I, – I don't know what you say Kikuchi's marital situation is. I don't know if, you know, what, what exactly his status, but there is no way – if you ever hooked up with Yusei Kikuchi, you don't get to stay in the bed. <laughs> You're not sleeping over. You're getting out. There's uh, an Uber waiting for you outside because he is not messing around with his sleep. Anyway, it's Leafs Media Day, which, I don't know. Like, like, 
I don't care. I, I it's fine. It's all right. I've heard these guys speak a bunch of different times at podiums throughout this offseason, right? They re-signed their coach. They fired their general manager. They brought in a new general manager. That was kind of a big day. Austin Matthews signed a contract. He put out a statement that I think was pretty in line with what we all expected to hear from him. There's a couple big questions that I think happen today, but let's just start with the most interesting thing, which is Nylander's not talking. And he's really the only guy that people are going to have questions about today. How do you think that they're going to, how do you think they're going to dance around this all day? He'll just talk the next, he'll talk tomorrow, right? Like they're going to say the, the people they're bringing to the podium today is, is the leadership group. So it's, it's the core four, but a different core four than the one with Nylander in it. So Riley basically taking Nylander's place and then tree Living's going to talk and Sheldon Keith's going to talk and, and that's it. And, you know, media day has, has become kind of a choreographed, for television and, and, and for, for radio. And that's, that's really what it is. You know, it, it, it feels like, you know, eight to 10 years ago, sometimes there'd be really interesting stuff that come, would come out, of, out of media day. Yeah. Like sometimes the coach or the GM or, or sometimes one of the players would come with something they wanted to say. Um, and, and, and I don't, hopefully they throw us some nuggets today. Cause otherwise I, I'm not expecting it to be all that interesting. And it seems kind of pointless to ask, the Nylander question to the other players at the podium or the coach. I, so, I honestly don't even think people are going to ask it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going to save their the coach they have to, right? for tomorrow. The so. coach, they have to, the coach, they have to ask about where they're going to play him down the lineup. And maybe there's a question from math to Matthews because he signed the contract to Nylander. But yeah, I, I don't anticipate that all of the different teammates are going to get it. There, I, there's a, a lot of merit to though, to what I think you're saying, which is, and I, because I was thinking about this a little earlier, how it, it feels repetitive to me all of a sudden. I went, wait, haven't I done something about this before where Media Day kind of snuck up recently? I think it was with an NFL season from a year ago where I thought, oh, this NFL season just snuck up. But this Leaf season in particular, and maybe it's because the Blue Jays have soaked up so much oxygen, and maybe it's because everybody's excited for NFL football this year. I, I don't know exactly what. Maybe it's just the Maple Leafs having yeah another year where they're running it back and people are just not overly excited to have Nylander debates all year long but I do think that a part of media day coming and not having a a lot of fanfare is we follow this team now completely differently we follow through social media throughout the entire offseason there is no real offseason I know guys like you get to take big luxurious vacations to cottages and lots of downtime and you go away for and you know, you're on a lake. You guys always post a picture of here's a lake. That's the hockey writers. You're all just at a lake for two months, which is, must be nice. The rest of us, sure, you know, I'm have sure to you earn. Went to a lake, JD. Yeah, I'm I sure, did, but I'm sure I, you had a break. Yeah, like maybe a day or two, I get to go. You know, a day, I get to just <laughs> lay a little peek. I, I crack the door open and I take a little glance at the life that you hockey writers have during the summer. For the rest of us, we have to be here. We have to grind. We have to talk about it. And so it just, it doesn't feel like you're coming back to something with the Leafs. It's just like, oh yeah, this is, we're getting closer to the season. There's nothing really novel about today. Well, I mean, the story with this team is the story of the last however many years, right? Three, four, five years. It's the same, the same group with some tinkering around the edges that needs to find a way that's going to make the playoffs. It's good enough to make the playoffs. Uh, that needs to find a way to break through in the postseason. I mean, it's it's like Groundhog Day. It's like we're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And 
I heard it last year, and I'm hearing it again already this year, that I don't care about the regular season with this team from fans. That's what they say over and over again. You know, I was I was out with my beer league team after a game on Sunday, and they're like, I don't know how many games I'm going to watch this year. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, and these, these are diehard Leafs fans, and they're just, I don't know. The, one of the dangers if you bring back the same group over and over again is that fans tune out until the games really matter. And uh, the the games that matter are a long ways away from media day in September. Yeah, that was kind of my next question is, do you think a big part <laughs> of it this year is just fan apathy? Because that, that would worry me a little. And and I always feel like there's a large section of Leaf fans that say what your buddies are saying. They go, oh, I don't really care. I'm not going to watch. And then there's going to be an exciting Leafs game and they're going to be blowing up your phone. Maybe, maybe I just, I, you know, I've been around this team for 15 years and I've never uh-huh. seen it like this, I know, where I it's feel like the same. this, where it's this tuned out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, people are just really frustrated with this, this team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the diehards, I mean, it, it, I think of the least fan base. So there's kind of like factions, right? So like the diehards are still all in. They're like, I can't wait to see Max Domi you know, playing with John Tavares, that's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to see Ryan Reeves beat somebody up and, and whatever. Like they're excited about the existence of the team, but there's a, I think there's a growing group that's like, who cares about media day? Who cares about training camp? Who really cares about the regular season? Like, you know, they're bringing the group back again. The only big change that's made is the GM who a lot of people, a lot of fans liked. Some didn't. A lot of fans liked is gone. And the question is, is this team going to be more likable and is it going to be more successful? Mm. That's why I kind of find it interesting that there's no Shanahan today because this is all about him. Yeah, he's. it feels like he's like almost been in hiding largely. Like he only really, like how many times has he met and talked with the media publicly in the last like three years? Like it's been very, very few and far between. Mm. That's going to... I don't know if it's going to change this year, but I do think that the one big shift with removing Dubas is, and I think that the conversation that's going to happen with a lot of fans, if they they don't live up to the expectation this year after all of this, is that you're going to see basically a revisionist history where Dubas is scrubbed of a lot of his critiques and they're all going to sort of land at the feet of Brendan Shanahan. Like to have this group back again, to have that apathy set in, I, I do wonder what the, like beyond the on ice product, what, what his bosses think of this, what his bosses think of the idea that, yeah, you, okay, you're always going to have the diehards, right? Like, that's just, uh, that's easy. You're handed that. That's part of being a legacy franchise. I really do think the question is going to be, how is it going to be possible to engage sort of that casual group, right? Is, is Ryan Reeves really going to be such a superstar that people are just attracted to this team in a different way? Is it, is it going to be... Uh, yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi, we're really going to have tons and tons and tons of conversations about him saying he's a, this indelible piece of the organization. They're going to have to get this done. I, I still feel like the biggest conversations that are going to happen about the Leafs during the regular season, and that's why today is a, a little interesting to see how they handle the Nylander stuff, is going to be that. It's just going to be tracking his progress, his regular season success, seeing if there's some kind of an update with his contractual status. Even if they try to do the whole, like, we're not talking about this in season, that it's going to shift into... Do you have to trade this guy at some point? Like, I, I don't think it's a good sign for the team that the number one point of conversation about on them for an entire year, for an entire regular season, is going to be about William Nylander and whether or not he should be traded or whether or not he should be resigned, and if so, at what, at what number? 
Yeah, well, they're floating out now, JD, that he's not going to be traded, right? Like, I mean, sure. you know, Elliot Friedman reported that yesterday in in his, his thirty two thoughts column, and you know, that's that's the Sorry. word that's making making the rounds now is that Nylander's here for the year. So, um, I I think the fact that it's Nylander is going to make it harder for that conversation to have legs, just because he's not going to say anything. Like, he's just. He's a master of of not giving the media anything. So, I guess, the way I could see it, like if he gets off to a slow start, then all of a sudden people are going to say, "Oh, the contract's weighing on him," and that that's going to become a storyline. I think mm-hmm. um, that that's one way I could see it. Or if you know, even if he just has a bad season, if he's not playing well at midseason, people could just say it's 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 hanging over his head, and that's that's mm-hmm. what's happening here. But. I just think, like, don't you think from, like, a roster, you and I talked early in the summer, and it's like, you can't let this guy walk for nothing, and it really looks like they're they're going down that path right now. Like, this feels kind of like what happened with Hyman, and, you know, it it doesn't feel like they've made a lot of progress on on the number and on the negotiations, so, um, and and it sounds like they looked at a trade briefly, you know, one of the problems with trading GMs when they, or, or, changing GMs when they did is it was going to be hard to trade one of those guys in the window that they had. Um, Their GM wasn't even allowed to be at the draft floor. <laughs> so right, it was pretty difficult right. to imagine that they were going to be uh, shipping off William Nylander at the very beginning of an off season, especially when they hadn't gotten Austin Matthews pen to paper yet. It just, it never yeah. felt realistic. It still doesn't feel realistic now. And you're right. It does feel like they're walking into an own rental situation where they yeah. lose a guy. I, I will say this. What I, what, if, if you ask me, hey, what's the prediction here? My prediction is that he ends up re-signing and the number ends up being closer to the Nylander number and we're doing the same thing over again. And then we're talking about will Mitch Marner be the guy that takes mm-hmm. less money and doing this exact conversation about do you trade? Do you move? Do you let him walk into the year? All just about Mitch Marner. And that eventually, if it continues to go this way, it's going to go one of two ways. Leafs are going to have success. They bring back Nylander and everyone says this is the right thing to do because they kept doubling down and the Shanna plan is working or it doesn't and they can't let Nylander walk for nothing. So they have to capitulate and people are losing their minds and then it becomes about, yeah, Marner and, and not him because they just they, they can't let him walk for nothing. That's the difference is Hyman, there, it was a different time. You could, you could lose an asset like him. I don't think that it worked out for them very well, but this one to me is just, they, they've, the Leafs are over a barrel and the whole universe knows it. That's why they couldn't come up with like a decent trade offer or even a, tr- a decent trade rumor for William Nylander because no one was going to try to offer them a ton. And William Nylander knows it. He just gets to hang out in Sweden and say, yep, it's fine. Let's see how this goes. He's probably going to score close to 40 goals. My, my biggest curiosity with him actually, James, is... In all, in all of this, right, of, hey, how does this go with no contract? Isn't so much what his deal is going to be a year from now? Because I, I would be surprised at this point if he just walked for nothing and went to, you know, a Chicago, right? Chicago just gives him all this money and the Leafs don't match it. And they just say, yeah, you know what? We can't do it. We're moving on. And we've lost one of the best, you know, what, 35, 40 players in the game for nothing? No, don't see it. What I think is going to be really interesting is the dynamic between him and the coach. This is a guy last year who lost power play time. This is a guy who historically has been moved around the lineup, right? He's had times with Matthews, he's had times with Tavares. Uh, I know that we were texting yesterday about potentially wonky lineup decisions that they might end up going with. Like, how how easy is it going to be to keep Nylander engaged if he doesn't have a contract and he doesn't feel like he's being put in positions to succeed and and optimize what that value is going to be? 
Well, I mean, some of the wonky positions are Nylander playing some at center. And if I'm him, I, I don't guess. want that, though. Well, I mean, you want it. A center can get more on the open market, right? Like, it might help his value. Like, if he if he steps into the middle and... I mean, are they putting Tavares on his wing? Yeah. Are they are they playing him with with his Marner on his wing? I mean, he, you might want it if if you're Nealander. If it, I, yeah, I think we're going to see some different things with the lineup here. I think Sheldon Keith's going to. This is going to be the whole. You're going to see like every possible permutation because, you know, one of the offshoots of the regular season not mattering that much is you can experiment mm-hmm. a ton, and I think they're going to do that. And I think Nealander's going to be. Like you look at what they have at center. It's like Matthews, Tavares, Camp, and Gambrell or something. Like it's, and they can move it, Domi there. They, yeah, they could move Domi there, and then, and then Camp, I guess, is your fourth line center. And like, where does Ryan Reeves play? And like, the lineup is, is, is really, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of messy. I think, and I think that's going to lend itself to you're going to see some weird combinations with the lineup. Like, I think you could see someone we're not expecting up on that line with Matthews and Marner. I think you could see Tavares on the wing. I think you could see some guys on a third line that they're trying to make a, an offensive sheltered third line with if if Domi does play in the middle there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you know if you're Nylander, it it it, it matters. Like, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna pout or he's gonna you know like if he if he mm. has a, if his if his numbers all fall off, it's gonna be harder for him to walk into the free agent market and say, "Give me 10. I pout. Don't think you're gonna. He's gonna pout. I, I don't think he's gonna say anything publicly. But I think that throughout his career, he has exemplified pouting through play. I think he struggled at times. I don't know Ooh. if that's. I don't know if that's pouting. Ooh, I mean, the, I disagree. That, that that first year back from the uh, from the contract dispute the last time around. I mean, like that was that was just a complete lost season. So. I don't. I don't see that happening this year. I think, I think there was just... some pouty play after he got taken off the power play one yesterday, last year. I really do, and, and I think that some of that even extended in the playoffs. And he ended up shifting into, "Hey, this guy's the playoff hero again. This is the guy who elevates in the playoffs." At, by the end of it, because everyone else was so under the gun, everyone else was drawing so much ire that he started to actually play well. But yeah, I, I think that there have been times where he has been disengaged, that he has been inconsistent with his play, and, and I think that some of that has been at least in part due to how he feels he's been treated. Well, I wonder, I mean, that, 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 I mean, that's been part of the contract discussion too, right? Is that he yeah. feels like he should be treated more like the other, the big three. And, yeah, and the problem with having all and, three is they're all just in a weird cycle of comparing themselves to each other and just <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the comparison is the thief of joy. All these guys are just, you know, pointing at each other going, but he got this and why am I not that? And why shouldn't I be that? While the guys, while the guy at the top is like, I should be way more than them and you guys know it. It's not. It doesn't seem too healthy. Yeah, one of the complications too is that Matthews is just legitimately so good and and far at his best is so That's far exactly ahead right. of the others that like it doesn't like he, they shouldn't be able to point to Matthews and say I should be closer to him because no you shouldn't you didn't win a Hart Trophy and you know score at a sixty goal pace and you know you're not a six three center who's one of the best players defensively in the league like it's just it's insane to compare yourself to to him but that that's what's that's part of what's happening so i wonder if if part of the discussions with the nylander camp and the leafs here have been you know feeling underappreciated um feeling like should get an opportunity to play more minutes to play at center to play with with different players i mean the tavares nylander combination hasn't worked for how long two and a half seasons 
like it's time to time to try something else. Yeah, but James, this, either, is, this is what I'm yeah. saying about what they how they deploy Nylander and how it's going to be really interesting tracking him throughout the year. Is if I'm yeah. him, I don't want to play on the wing next to Tavares, but I don't want to play in the middle with Tavares. <laughs> Why? What I want more responsibility and kick out the 11 million dollar man and and force me to be more defensively responsible and have every single person who has the the video content like the Justin Bournes of the world circulates like doing articles where here's 40, 14 examples of William Nylander not playing defensively solid. Here's 14 examples of why Nylander doesn't work at center. Like if I'm him, I'm thinking the odds of me playing center and it going extremely well, my value going up are, are limited. That's why if I'm him, I'm saying, why, why can't I play with Matthews this year? Well, that's always worked. I want to play with Matthews. All of a sudden, you're bumping him down. Is he playing on power play one this time around? Like, t- to me, that the friction with him from the contract stuff can can actually grow in season bigger than I think some of us realize just because we look at Nylander and say, oh, he's Mr. Cool. He doesn't care. And I'm like, yeah, okay. We'll see if he doesn't care when he's really battling for $10-plus plus million in a prove-it season where the team's not giving him money. And then maybe, just maybe, they want to get creative with him in a lineup and have him be sort of, yeah, an ex- an experiment at times. I, I like, I don't know how engaged he's going to be in some of that stuff consistently if it's not going extremely well all the time. Yeah, I think that that's fair. But you know, you're you're saying from his perspective, but you know, like pro athletes don't think like he's not thinking about the Justin Bourne article. He's thinking about, yeah, I can do that. You know, he's just a, he's a supremely confident athlete. He's thinking, you know, put put me. You know, give me you more. You think athletes coach. don't care about articles and about tweets? No, 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 this no, no, is no. your position. Saying, that's not what he's thinking about right now. He's oh, not okay. thinking yeah. about I, I can't take more responsibility at center because someone's going to write an article, like mm-hmm. or the market. Like he's thinking, I can do it. Put me in, coach. Like give me more minutes. You mm-hmm. know, he's thinking I'm. You know, we're talking about him as one of the 35, 40 best players in the league. He thinks he's one of the top ten, and he wants to go out there and show it. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, the, deep down, that's what a lot of the. NHL players feel, you know, supreme overconfidence is, you know, very common in the league. And I think that Nylander fits there. Mm. So outside of Nylander, what's your, what's, you're down a media day if you're there today, you know, you decided this was worthy of your time. You know, if you would leave the cottage, if you would leave the lake, <laughs> what would be your big fascination? Like who, who are you waiting for? Like who's, whose scrum are you not missing today? Because you want to ask what? Oh, I mean, I, I think what you're looking for is like, do, do Tree Living and Keith give any nuggets of what's to come and what they're thinking and what the experiments are going to be and what's going to be different and how they're going to change things? That's that's what I think you're looking for. You're looking for anything that's that's unique, anything that's not just yeah, we're running it back and you know it's going to be it's going to be Matthews and and Marner and and uh, and Tavares and Nylander and. Riley's going to play with Brody again. Anything that's not that. You're just looking for something that's interesting, that's different. That's really what you're looking for. I mean, I don't I don't expect the players are going to say anything mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. I think Reeves, did, is Reeves going to talk today? I imagine no, that they, no, no he's not? No, okay. it's, it's going to be the captain and the assistant captain. So it's going to mm-hmm. be Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and, and uh, Riley. So and, and the GM one the guy that says anything interesting, which is Riley. <laughs> so that's it. So one guy who provides a decent soundbite, and that's it. <laughs> it's not a, that's a toughie. You know I, I would have wanted become... reason. I would have slapped an A on him just for today and gone, hey, we need the content. We want social media clicks that are that are a little bit different. Let's have you go no, out there and I mean... say stuff like you would have beat up 
a defenseman after they eliminated you from a series. <laughs> that was one of my favorite bites. Like, oh, I would have dared him to try that at that time. I was like, well, you wouldn't have been on the ice. And yeah, you lost. It was over. So not really sure what the scenario was there that you were trying to paint with you beating the crap out of a guy that your team tried to chase in free agency this year. But yeah, it sounds good. It sounds great. I just, yeah, I would have, I would have wanted him out there today. Like this is one of his main jobs. Sound bites. Like this is this is going to be it. Personality, right? The, well, he got to talk at the golf tournament, so you know that all that stuff yeah. out there already. So yeah. Yeah, these media days, like like I said, it's become it's very well choreographed, mm-hmm. and it's going to be it's going to be short. They're going to be short availabilities. The whole thing's going to be over. You know, I, I think it's like it's it's starting soon, right? Like it's all going to be over here. Yeah, certainly like a quickly. half hour less. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, I, I'm not really expecting anything that you can make a headline in a, in, in tomorrow's story. So. No, but I do like trying to predict that. Don't you is, Hey, what is the story going to be out of this is it'll, I, I know there'll be somewhere it's like mum's the word on Nylander extension or Nylander a leaf for yeah. the season, right? There's going to be a bunch of those. It's be a bunch of people that go right to the, Hey, Leafs are keeping Nylander. He's not being traded this year. What are the implications of that? Got it. Like that, that one's very clear. I, I just, I wonder what the secondary storyline out of today is going to end up being because it I just think people, people should be asking like what needs to change and what's going to change. Like, if, yep. you know, like you bring back the core again, but like, what's, what's different? Like, why should people believe that, you know, this is, this group's going to change and like, what, what have the players done? What is the, what is, what's the coach going to have that's going to be different this year i thought the internet already determined that nhl playoffs are all just luck and that you just need a lucky bounce that was what hockey is now is it's just luck you get in and the leafs are unlucky you're not subscribing to that theory of the most hardcore leaf fans well i i mean i think that that's kind of the that's kind of like a pretty prevailing theory right i mean i think it seems like (laughs) well i mean where that comes from is that like the hockey playoffs are luckier than the other sports, right? That's, like that can be true. It's more random. Mm-hmm. I, I generally ascribe to the theory that if you're a good team year after year after year, you're probably going to break through at some point. We've mm-hmm. seen it a number of times, but this is year eight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, 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 the problem with that theory, like everyone points to like Washington and it's uh-huh. like, oh, they broke through when Ovechkin was 33. It's like, yeah, but how much of Washington, like the coach wasn't the same. And like other than Ovechkin, hardly any, and Backstrom, hardly any of the players were the same. Like everyone was gone by the time they uh-huh. won that had been there on those teams that had really good regular seasons. Um, they didn't. They didn't just come back with the same group over and over and over again. Well, also, I do think the stuff that we talked about at the top about killing the golden goose is is relevant here. Like, I do think that there is something to be said for, hey, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is supposed to be one of the premier franchises in North America. This is supposed to be like, you can't miss on this product. This is a fail safe in terms of interest and intrigue and sales and all these different things. And yeah, you're always going to sell the the arena out. That's clear. You're always going to sell the luxury boxes out. There's too much corporate money. You you can't miss on that. There's a there's a baseline to it. But yeah, what what do they care about in terms of fan engagement? How much do they care about the entertainment product side of this? Where they say, yeah, we we want to have our fan base engaged. We want to have our fan base cared. And we trot out, you know, even on a media day where it's Marner, Riley, and Matthews, and you look at that and say, oh, I don't, what do I want to hear from these guys? Oh, they all love it here? Oh, they feel like this year is going to be going to be different? 
They're engaged. Like, I, I just, yeah. I, it's like you don't even want to hear it. You don't even want to hear anything that these guys have to say because all it's going to do is actually end up triggering you. Um, but, yeah, you bring up the what's going to be different thing. You and I, the last time we talked, which was, oh, I think, well over a month ago now, it was just a, hey, Leafs off-season check-in, what needs to happen. It was a consensus that they needed to make some kind of a move, that they needed to clear some kind of a cap space. And as far as I've seen, none of that has happened. So mm-hmm. when does that happen? It's got to be something that's very, very unsexy at this point because they're not making a, a trade of any consequence. I mean, it could be waivers. I mean, yeah. they could wait till the roster cut down day, you know, the day before the regular season starts and put, put some people on waivers. I mean, as far as I can tell, looking at how tight they are with the cap, Mm-hmm. It's going to be a 20 player roster and either you go 11 and seven and you keep Connor Timmons or you Timmons either is in some minor trade or gets put on waivers. I mean, that's another boring, inner hero. <laughs> you're in such a grumpy mood today. Here's it's like the season hasn't even started yet. And mm-hmm. you're, uh, <laughs> you're, I, you're I, one of you're one of those disengaged. I'm I'm, I'm not. Believers. Here's the thing. I'm I'm one of the guys that says he's not engaged, and then the second they drop the puck, I'm so into it. Like I I just I know who I am, and I cannot I I can't not care. Right? I've tried. I've tried so many times to not care about the Leafs, and I've sat through much worse seasons than this. And I I do have a level of intrigue in what the left wing essentially is really going to look like with this team and then how the deep pairings work together. I'm not even all that upset that they didn't move off of Nylander. Like I, I would have tried more aggressively to trade him during the off season. I know the risk that that would have come with in terms of where he would have landed on his dollar at the end of the year and how those negotiations could have gone and yeah, just his engagement throughout the course of the season. But yeah, I just, I'm of the belief that I would have shaken things up. I think seven years of this core is enough to indicate that something needed to change. I think Dubas knew it when he hinted at it at his media conference. To me, the the one thing that I just, I can't reconcile with, with this group when I'm trying to get ready for the season is, you know, they've got Morgan Riley at the podium and then it's just, well, who's the second defenseman that you would like to put up there this year? Like they've got, Six defensive. You're talking about waving Connor Timmons, and I, I'm teasing him because I think that he's like one of those just like wildly overrated guys, right? We've we've seen this from Leafs fans where they build up these like folk heroes who don't end up cracking the lineup. Whether it was uh, no one's making him a folk hero. Oh, Come you're, on, you're, he's a you're seventh not, you're defenseman. Not, you're not, no, you're not. You're not connected for... to it enough. You're not connected to it enough. I'm telling you, every night, every <laughs> single night, I've done Leafs talk. Uh, every single night, the comments full of this guy's amazing. Put him in. People genuinely believe that he is like heads and shoulders better than Justin Hall. Like, well, he's a mystery box, right? Like we, when you get these prospects that, yeah, well, he is to some, to some fans. He's like, Alex Galchenyuk on a blue line. Like that's, it's just, it's, it's the, it's fine. You can have them. It's depth. It's whatever. But who's the guy that ended up going to uh, Levo, Josh Lee. It's like the same thing where the Leaf fans have these guys, they're fringy NHL dudes. And they go, well, this guy was like that for a long that's time. That's it. Too, exactly. Right? Like, just like yeah. they, they build these guys up who are fringy dudes who say, Hey, if this guy played more, my goodness, he would be a superstar. And then they play more and you go, Oh, actually now I, I see why. They don't play more, but look at their blue line right now. Like Giordano is still in the six hole and you say, who, who's behind them? Who, who's yeah. taking those minutes away? Nobody. And the pairings don't fit whatsoever. And yeah, they're leaning on Brody who looked quite bad oh, in the playoffs last yeah. year. They didn't end up moving off of him. I really thought that the move Trey Living was going to make was flip him. And yeah, that's actually the forward groups. I know you really like talking about how they make them fit together. From my standpoint, I go, hey, at least the forward group has a ton of talent. 
they have a lot of time and they have pieces that you know work. They've got four guys who regular season-wise work. I know what David Camp is. Sure, find a way to optimize them, great. But I'm not too stressed about how good players are going to figure out how to play with good players. And they've, they've got like five, six dudes that can hypothetically play down the middle, which I, I like. The blue line, I just, I don't see how it fits together whatsoever. And, and I don't see what happens if they lose any of those guys to an injury for even, what, a two-month injury? Like, what happens if Morgan Riley dips out? What happens if TJ Brody gets hurt? What happens if they lose uh, McCabe? I, I, like, no. I have zero idea how they would replace yeah. a player like that. I mean, Devil's Advocate last year, they did lose Riley and Rody for spells. And before the trade deadline, before they added McCabe and Gustafson and, and Shen, like, look at what they were, you know, they lost Muzzin four games into last year. Mm-hmm. And look at what their blue line was. Like, right. it was it was a mess, you know. Like, Giordano was in the top four playing big but minutes. he played extremely well. He, I know he did, but, you're, like, that's not going to happen again. But yeah. I'm just, to play Devil's Advocate, they didn't have amazing personnel last year, and they put up really good defensive results, and they had a good season. They had the 111-point season with injuries, with not that deep of a blue line. But, you know, if you and I are both taking bets right now about what they're going to be looking for at the trade deadline, it's going to be a defenseman for sure, for sure. Because they don't – the top four right now is – I mean, I think the only – there's two things they can hope for here. It's that Lilgren takes another step and pushes his way into the top four, or Klingberg – becomes Klingberg of three years ago and becomes something useful and isn't the next Tyson Berry on this team. Mm. He feels like the next Tyson Berry on this team. I know. That's why I said that. I put I that know. out there on the record for a reason. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't want it to be true. I really want him to have the bounce back thing, but yeah, it's feeling a lot like it's going to be that. I, I, I guess, yeah, you got to be hopeful that Lilligren takes the, the big step. That, that he can eat heavy minutes and that what he plays next to McCabe and your top four ends mm-hmm. up being, mm-hmm. he, he's a part of it. He showed flashes of that last year. It's just, he's one of those guys where I think like he can put a stretch together. I don't know if we've ever really seen a consistent real run of him in a non-sheltered way. Um, but boy, it just it feels like a, that, that those feel like some pretty wild lottery tickets. <laughs> I gotta well, tell there's you. questions about basically every single yeah. player on the blue line. I, I, I other than maybe Riley and even Riley didn't have a great regular season last year. So, I mean, the question with Riley is like, who do you yeah. play him with? You know, if you, are they going to go back with McCabe and Brody again? Mm. As, as like the shutdown pair. And then, then who plays with Riley? Like you can't play Riley with Klingberg. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the blue line is, I don't, I know Klingberg wasn't their first choice in free agency, but I don't know if he was like their fourth choice or the fifth choice or their sixth choice. Like I, you know, Gudis was someone who they wanted. They would have wanted Chen back if the price was was more. They were looking for someone more like that, who could play with with Riley, who could play in more of a shut down role. Like, yeah, I even look at like if they're on the penalty kill, like who are your defensemen? Like they don't they don't really have the personnel that, and they don't really have the personnel that that Tree Living said that he wanted on on his blue line. Mm-hmm. That's that's you know? it to me. That's that's the one to me. Is it, it doesn't match up with what he wants and what he's historically had. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's a mid season trade, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, there's, if Calgary struggles, I mean, they've got some interesting guys who are going to be UFAD, a Hannafin Tanev, you know, there could be some options there where he goes back to his former team mm-hmm. and, and that's what they do. I think you're right about that. I mean, the forwards, my take on the forward, the forwards are going to produce just as much offense as they did last year. They're going to, but they're not as good defensively, Like they're mm-hmm. just, they're just not. 
You know, they've, they brought in some guys like Bertuzzi and Domi and Reeves are not great defensive players. So it could be a little bit more leaky this year. It could be a, a it could be more five, four games and less um, and, and, and make the, the job tougher for Sheldon Keefe to, to shut it down. Yeah. Um, I think Domi is just going to be a huge fan favorite. I think that this is going to end up being a, a smash hit. That's my prediction is that it's it's like kind of a non-issue. People are going to point to the defensive stuff and go, yeah, yeah. But he's going to get to play with really talented players. He's going to be a playmaker. He's, I, I think he's going to work his ass off. And, yeah, as long as he can limit the really stupid penalties, like he gets to fill the void Bunting had, but be a more popular version of that. Because I, I think with Bunting and, you know, I, talk, I talked to him this summer and went over a bunch of stuff, but the, the stuff with the refs just ended up going too far where it became almost a distraction. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I think Domi is going to be able to do a lot of the things Bunting did, but without all of the, hey, the ref thing. And he'll probably, I don't know if he'll try how many fights he's going to get into, but I just think that he'll be a little bit more of a, a chippier, greasier, vocal, not just taking it version of Bunting, which is really, really going to work out here. Um, yeah, uh, that's probably true. That's probably correct. I think that everything that you've hit on is, is yeah, very real. So let's close on this today. I do this every single year when a, well, I just do this whenever anybody's at a podium. I'm sure I've done it with you before. You get one dart, okay? It's full of truth serum. And you get to shoot it into somebody's <laughs> neck today, right before you ask your one question. Who are you shooting the dart into and what are you asking? Oh, man. Do you have one? Do you want to, do you want to swing? I, I mean, my inclination would be either key for tree living and oh, just... it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely one of those two guys. I, I know like, what my what, questions would be for both. Well, uh, kind of like, yeah. What's this team missing or like, what's like the missing ingredient here? Or I mean, tree living, I would want to know like what he still wants to accomplish because like I just said with the blue line, like the blue line's not what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if the forward group is what he wanted. I mean, he came in with four weeks until free agency and kind of a little bit of a mess to clean up and did the best he could with it. And mm-hmm. we're going to see if the team is worse off for that. I would 100% shoot the dart in tree living's neck. And I would ask the question, did you really have any autonomy this off season? Like, mm-hmm. like what, what, what were the, what was the actual parameters of your powers. Could you have, if you really wanted to, could you have sat across from Brennan Shanahan and told him with a straight face, we, we got to move off Nylander now. I, I did the Goudreau thing. I just, I find it very interesting that mm-hmm. the guy who an off season ago made a very public statement about, I learned from this mistake and I'm never going to let this happen again in regards to Goudreau is now entering the exact same scenario with an extremely mercurial guy who it's going to be very hard to predict the way it's going to play out, you know, like that, that doesn't line up to me. Then you look at the blue line, same thing. And you say, well, this doesn't feel like a tree living blue line. And this doesn't really match up with what we thought was going to end up happening this off season. And it was pretty quiet. Like all things considering the Leafs off season started with this huge bang where the general manager is fired and you're writing articles about the infighting of the organization and how there's Dubas camps and Shanahan camps and, and it's a, it's a team divided, right? It's what's going to happen here. How are these things going to shake out? And then it just, you know, pretty much petered out, quieted down. None of the Dubas disciples ended up leaving outside of Spezza. 
There's probably, you know, well, the, John Elkin went to Pittsburgh. Sorry, and yes, he did too. There's, there's a there's a couple that yeah, haven't but, come out, and but a know, couple of but, them. Yeah. But the more prominent guys that we thought were going to end up leaving ended up staying, right? Like mm-hmm. we we thought Brendan Pridham was not long for this world, and he's end up he ends up staying here. Like the 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 top end guys, the top tier lieutenants stayed outside of Spezza. Um, it's sort of quiet. It seems like. What they did is a pretty corporate move, which is, hey, let's just maintain the status quo. Everybody be quiet. We're going to assume as little risk as possible. And usually the way those things go is not spectacular. You know? Well, it's, I think the roster got slightly exciting. worse. And I think, yeah. yeah, I think it was a very conservative offseason. It was. And, and, you know, Shanahan's got, I believe, two years left on his contract. This is mm-hmm. a massive year for him because mm-hmm. if they fall on their face again, I don't. I can't see the board and ownership wanting to do the lame duck thing again, like they did with Dubas, and no. then be caught without a plan, especially with the president. So, I mean, this could be it. Yeah, I just and, think. And then, yeah, you, the, you know, some people when when you, when you're when it, when you have to go all in when when this is it when you have to put everything on the line, mm-hmm. you go conservative and you don't make like the. You know, and and in that context, it kind of makes the Neilander situation make sense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because if this is the year and the only trade you can make for him is bringing back less than what he can give you on the ice, then you probably don't do it. Yeah, I've always hated this, though, is like the two things that have lined up, which have basically been the the main defenses of the core defenders, which is, well, you don't make a move to just to make a move. It's like, yeah, you do sometimes in sports and yeah, you do in every walk of life. And, you know, sometimes if, if something is stale or if it's not working, you just need to shake things up and you do need to make a trade or you do need to just make a change. And two is this idea of like, you're not going to win the Nylander trade and you go, yeah, you're not going to end up getting back a more talented player than William Nylander. Those was never the those were never the parameters. But we're talking about a team right now where we're saying, yeah, some of the four groups don't really fit together. They're gonna have to get creative. And hmm, the blue line is really spotty, and and it doesn't really have a lot. And you even look in goal, which is yeah, right. Like we didn't talk about it, and I'm going to talk about it more this week. But like, all right, Samsonov was solid last year. He entered the year as the backup. And he was sort of viewed as a lottery ticket. Like, is this a concrete hit? I know goalies, whatever. What does Daniel always say? Goalies are voodoo. Yeah, okay, there's some truth to that. They've got Wall, and now it's a goaltender who had a sub-900 save last year. Who's How old is Martin Jones? Like 36? Mm, I don't think he's quite that 35. high. But, somewhere, but yeah, I mean, somewhere in the he's zone. He's had a bad save percentage for like six years. Yeah, like he's, not, last year wasn't an anom- anomaly there. Yeah, yeah. And, and guess what? I love the guy because I'll always think about the San Jose run, and I really enjoyed that. I'm a goalie guy, and so I oh, I have all the respect in the world for Martin Jones. But, yeah, I you know, you're not exactly crazy deep in there, and there's not someone that you feel like, whoa, whoa. Oh, he's 33? Wow, sorry, Jonesy. Like, oof, 36. I was... <laughs> I crushed you there. Thirty-three. He's fine. He's a young pup. Uh, either way, it just there's really big question marks with this team, and you'd like to have a little bit more depth. You'd like to have a little bit more certainty at those positions, and those things could happen. Anyway, just like to get back to the main point, it was, yeah. What type of autonomy does Trey Living have? What what kind of decisions is he going to be able to actually make here? And even when we're talking about things like, hey, heading into the deadline, what could they do? And the position of we're not taking, uh, we're not trading Nylander, where do those decisions come from? Because if it's if I'm Shanahan and I'm saying we're sticking to my plan and I'm the one with real stakes here, I'm the one whose reputation is on the line. I feel like, you know, some of the stuff we heard, the the swirls about 
him and Dubas and what he wanted to stop him from doing, I, I think it would be pretty clear that Brendan Shanahan is the the puppet master here. That's why it's weird even hearing Trey Living talk to me today as I go, what, what, what exactly is your position here? You feel more like an AGM, to be honest. I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. And, and I think, you, you know, you were saying that kind of, it feels like revisionist history now that Dubas is gone, that all the eyes are on Shanahan. I, I think that more eyes probably should have been on Shanahan the whole way along. I mean, he's the one that brought, brought Babcock in. He's mm-hmm. the one that did the whole dysfunctional thing. Well, that's like, a tough one like, now. I say, you he, said that, and I'm like, whoo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> yeah. he, 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 well, they, they hired the coach before they even had a GM. Yeah. And, I, uh, and, I know, I know, and I know Babcock came in with, you know, a great reputation and everything, but it was, it was a mess. Like, the whole thing was messy. Like, they kept Nonis and Carl and then they, they brought in Hunter and Dubas and, and it, like the, the front office has been messy for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was messy in the beginning, you know, but, but they got Matthews and they got Marner and they started building up and people ignored the mess. Mm-hmm. People ignored the mistakes that Lou made and the bad drafting that, that Hunter made and, you know, but all that stuff matters now because all of it, all of that is part of the stew that went into them not being successful Part of that is why they don't have any other than Nyes. They don't have anyone good on an entry-level contract right now because the drafting was bad five years ago. And all of that goes to Shanahan. All of it. I mean, he's been he's been around for uh, it's coming up on ten years in in the spring. So mm-hmm. I, I, the, this this year is is the year for the Shanna plan to show that was this all a waste of time? Ooh, that's a good way to go out. <laughs> That's a good way to go out. All right, James. Enjoy media day today. The big spicy. Hey, Matthew's at the podium right now. Probably want to hear what he has to say about how much he likes Toronto and how it's a no-brainer for him. Well, he does like Toronto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, no, he, he loves it. He loves it. Anyway, we got to. What else is he uh, supposed yeah, to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's what I'm joking about. Anyways, James Reynolds, managing it of the Athletic. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you next week. See ya.